We examine the question of just how far Democrats want to go if they retain power in the midterm elections. Joe Biden campaigns with John Fetterman and everything that can go wrong does. Plus, the CDC votes unanimously to add COVID vaccines to child immunization schedules. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. This show is sponsored by ExpressVPN. It's time to stand up against big tech. Protect your data at expressvpn.com slash Ben. We'll get to all the news in just one moment. First, with the midterms coming up, you should probably keep in mind that where you spend your money matters because that money may be spent on things that you don't like. So, for example, Verizon Wireless customers, you're supporting a company that canceled One American News because they supported Trump. AT&T customers, you're not just supporting a company that supports CNN. They actually own CNN. T-Mobile customers, your CEO openly advised Democrats how to beat Trump in the 2020 election. So why give your money to wireless companies that don't like your values? Instead, give it to Pure Talk. Pure Talk not only believes in conservative American family values, they also give you the best service at a low cost. Unlimited talk, text, plenty of data for just 30 bucks a month. The average family saves almost $1,000 per year. I'm a Pure Talk customer. You can switch over right now for the same network, same coverage, same phone, and a lower bill. And 30 days risk-free. Switching to Pure Talk only takes 10 minutes. It is a no-brainer. So now is your chance to show corporate America you are done funding their leftist ideologies. Go to puretalk.com. Enter promo code Shapiro to save 50% off your very first month of coverage. That's puretalk.com, promo code Shapiro for 50% off your very first month. Again, puretalk.com, promo code Shapiro. Also, in the spirit of Halloween, I have something scary to tell you about. Meat recalls. Yeah, it turns out that there are a lot of uncertainties with regard to buying store-bought meat. You hear about alerts and recalls pretty much every day. Recently, 44 tons of meat products were recalled from retailers in Illinois, Kentucky, and Missouri for listeria. Yeah. Trade that garbage in instead for the best American meat on planet Earth, Good Ranchers. Good Ranchers only sources the highest quality meat. Grass-fed, grain-finished, their steak is aged 21 days, so every bite is tender and delicious. They're better than organic chicken, doesn't have any added hormones or antibiotics. Their seafood is caught fresh and then flash-frozen and vacuum-sealed to lock in the quality until you are ready to eat it. Unlike the grocery store, Good Ranchers has never had to do a recall. They have a 100% satisfaction guarantee. They made me a kosher steak. Let me tell you, it was unbelievable. Right now, Good Ranchers is throwing a huge October feast where you can get up to four pounds of free meat when you go to goodranchers.com slash Ben. Use code Ben at checkout. Again, my code Ben will get you two pounds of better than organic chicken with any order plus an extra two pounds of ground Wagyu beef on orders over 300 bucks. Go to goodranchers.com slash Ben. Use code Ben at checkout. That's goodranchers.com slash Ben. Use code Ben at checkout to claim your special October feast offer. Well, there's a truism when it comes to politics, and that is that you run to your extremes during the primaries, and then you run back to the middle during the general elections. This is true for both, both right and left. But one problem emerges for political parties when it turns out that people don't believe you when you run back to the middle. When you run so far to the extremes that everybody sees through the game of running back to the middle, you start to pay the price politically. And increasingly these days, this is precisely what's been happening with the Democratic Party. See, here is the thing. For a very long time, the Democratic Party has relied on the rebuttal of what they call the slippery slope fallacy. Republicans will say, you guys really want X. You're pushing something else. What you really want is X. Democrats will then say, no, 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 no. We don't actually want the endpoint that you're talking about. That's a slippery slope fallacy. If we say that we want civil unions and you say, no, 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 you want gay marriage, that's not true. All we really want is civil unions. If you say that what you want is not gay marriage, what you actually want is for my church to perform gay marriages, that's not what we want. We just want the gay marriage. If you say you want my church to perform a gay marriage, what you actually want is to indoctrinate my children in your viewpoint. Then you say, no, 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 I don't want to indoctrinate my children in your viewpoint. That's a slippery slope fallacy. But here's the thing about the slippery slope, quote unquote, fallacy. It's not a fallacy. It's a prediction. Slippery slopes are a prediction. And when it turns out that the slippery slope 
keeps happening over and over and over again. People stop trusting you when you say that you only want to go so far and no further. That's particularly true when the arguments that you make are what we would call in law school arguments that prove too much. When you make an argument that quote unquote proves too much, this is when you establish a principle that doesn't merely justify what you're doing now. It justifies further action in the future. So for example, let's say that your argument is love is love. Right? All forms of sexual relationship are equally morally beneficial. All of them are good. And I said, well, that would eventually lead to you basically justifying every form of sexual arrangement up to and including pedophilia, right? That argument itself, just that argument, not saying that you're doing it, but the argument itself, that all forms of sexual arrangement are perfectly fine, that is going to justify pretty much everything from incest to pedophilia. And you say, well, no, no, that's a slippery slope fallacy. That's not a slippery slope fallacy. The argument that you've established encompasses more things than you wish for it to encompass. And when you refuse to make distinctions in your logic, it makes me believe that your end goal is not actually what you say it is, it is something else. And so there's a graphic that's become quite popular online. And, and it shows what the supposed slippery slope fallacy looks like in broad terms. And this is the slippery slope fallacy graphic that's become very popular on Twitter. And it's about right, right? Basically, it shows a curve. It's a downward curve. And it's kind of gradually curving down. And then boom, it drops off a cliff. And it has a bunch of arrows pointing to the gradually downsloped curve saying, you're overreacting, you're overreacting, you're overreacting. And then we are here pointing to the bottom of the slippery slope. And this is what keeps happening with Democrats on policy after policy after policy. They keep saying, you're overreacting. We would never do that. Not in a million years would we ever advocate for the most extreme formulation of the position that you're suggesting that we hold. And then inevitably about five years later, we're at the bottom of that curve. And this is a very big problem for Republicans because Republicans keep believing this stuff. You have a bunch of civility-oriented Republicans who will say, no, 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 they don't actually mean Let's give them civil unions. They'll never want the gay marriage. We'll give them gay marriage. They're never going to want to force you to do it in church. Okay, so they're trying to force a baker to bake a cake for a gay couple. But does that really mean that they're going to you know, come after you if you refuse to go along with their morality and how you teach your kids? Well, sure, they're doing that with the schools, but you think they're actually going to come into your home? If you keep going along over and over and over again with the lie that the slippery slope fallacy is in fact a fallacy and not a prediction, then you are going to end up at that bottom of the curve over and over and over again. And this is why I think Democrats are having a particularly tough time these days. They're having a particularly tough time because people can see that we are at the bottom of this curve. People can see that over and over and over again, when Democrats assure us that we're just at the top of the curve and that we're overreacting, they don't actually want the things we say that they want. We can see that they're fibbing. And Joe Biden had an opportunity when he came into office to basically overthrow that idea, right? Joe Biden was a figure of the status quo. Joe Biden was a supposed moderate. He was not somebody who was going to go along with the gradual lowering of that curve and then the drop off the cliff. He was going to stand like a rock in the pathway of Democratic attempts to go radical. Joe Biden was not Bernie Sanders. Joe Biden was not Ibram X. Kendi. Joe Biden was just, you know, a typical Democrat, middle of the road Democrat, who is never going to allow American society to slip off that curve and all the way down to the bottom of the cliff, Wiley Coyote style. Except that Joe Biden did precisely that. And what we see over and over and over again is that Democratic politicians seem patently incapable, really since the end of the Clinton era, to tell their own base no. And to make the case to the American people that they should be believed when they take a moderate policy. Because over and over and over again, outlying members of the Democratic Party, people who were considered crazy five years ago, are now considered central members of the think centers of the Democratic Party. Bernie Sanders was a nut for all of his Senate career. He was a useless nut from Vermont. He had somehow been elected because Vermont is a weird state filled with you know, progressive people who live in conservative ways, a very strange state, Vermont. And so they, they elect Bernie Sanders in the whitest area of America. They elect Bernie. And, and Bernie, for 30 years, does nothing in the Senate. He's a complete useless person. He's a backbencher who shouts about why there should only be four types of deodorants on the shelves. And, 
And then all of a sudden, he's a thought leader because it turns out the Democratic Party, as always, falls off the cliff. Or Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez, when she first entered Congress, the idea was, yeah, so fresh, so faced, but kind of extreme, right? I mean, we're not actually going to follow her down the primrose path here. And then she's on the cover of Rolling Stone magazine. Over and over and over again, the Democratic Party demonstrates that they are willing to fall off that cliff. They are eager to fall off that cliff. They lie to you. They say that they're not, but they are willing and eager to fall off that cliff. Now, there's been a lot of talk about polarization in American politics and what the left will call asymmetric polarization. What they will suggest that the right wing Republican Party has moved further right. That is not true. You cannot name a position on which the Republican Party, except for perhaps immigration, has become more right wing over the course of the last 20 years. That position does not exist. It doesn't exist. I can name you half a dozen positions where the Democratic Party has moved significantly to the left, ranging from their tax policy to their policing policy to abortion to same sex marriage to the transing of the children. Just over and over and over again, Democrats move significantly to the left. If there has been a polarization in terms of policy positions, you can say that the Republican Party has polarized in terms of its stylistic moves. Right? Donald Trump was stylistically different from Republicans of the past who were much more conciliatory and more civil. And by the way, the reason that Donald Trump was elected was because he was not conciliatory and not civil and because so many Republicans were angry at the conciliatory civil Republican Party that it seemed to go along with the lie that we were going to remain on the top of that slippery slope curve. Okay, but Republican, in terms of their positions, their policy positions, they have not moved to the right. If you look at the Republican platform in 2004 and you look at the Republican platform in 2020, they're basically the same. It may be to the left, actually. Right? You now have mainstream members of the Republican Party voting in favor of enshrining same-sex marriage at the federal level after Obergefell. Meanwhile, the Democratic Party has moved wildly to the left. And so here is the problem for the Democrats. No one believes them anymore when they say they're not pursuing utopia. And so all Republicans have to do is point at the bottom of the slope. Now, we're not there yet. And Democrats will continue to argue that we'll never get to the bottom of the slope. But here's the thing. You shouldn't believe them. You shouldn't believe them because they're saying out loud what they want. Take, for example, Beto O'Rourke, Beto over in Texas, right? So the first time he runs for Senate against Ted Cruz, he campaigns as a moderate. And he's somewhat of a moderate Democrat running in a very red state. And he loses a close election to Ted Cruz. Then he runs for president. And he says, we're going to take your AR-15s and we are going to come after your religious institutions to remove their nonprofit status if they don't act in ways that I like with regard to social policy, particularly same-sex marriage. And this is all stuff that Beta O'Rourke said. And that was like a two-year gap between when he ran for Senate and lost to Ted Cruz and when he ran for president. That was maybe a one-and-a-half-year gap. And all the quiet parts, he started saying out loud. It was the same thing, by the way, if you go all the way back to, say, 20, 2011. Barack Obama was against same-sex marriage in 2011. By 2013, he was the greatest advocate of same-sex marriage. So... Was that because he actually shifted his position or was it because he was lying in the first place and he was lying to the American? The answer is he was lying to the American people. He was always progressive on that issue. He just had to lie to the American people because the American people didn't agree with him. And you see this over and over. Well, you keep doing this over and over and people aren't going to believe you anymore. So all Republicans have to do is point at what the end of that arc looks like. What does the bottom of that slope look like? Are Americans willing to go there? Because while Democrats keep claiming they'll go this far and no further, we have no evidence to believe that this is the case. Historically speaking, we have no evidence to believe that when given the opportunity, Democrats will not shove us over that cliff every single time. So, for example, as we talked about on the show, there is a Virginia Democrat who has now introduced a bill to prosecute parents who refuse to treat children as members of the opposite sex. According to Yahoo News, Virginia Democratic delegate Elizabeth Guzman is seeking to introduce legislation that would hold parents criminally liable for refusing to treat their children as a different sex from the one they were born into. 
The legislation, which Guzman plans to introduce in Virginia's upcoming legislative session, would expand the definition of child abuse so parents could be charged with a felony or misdemeanor for refusing to honor their child's request to be treated as the opposite sex. Guzman said if the child shares with those mandated reporters what they are going through, we are talking about not only physical abuse or mental abuse, what the job of that mandated reporter is, is to inform Child Protective Services. Now, I've been warning about this for years, and there's going to come a time when Democrats, if given enough power, would sick Child Protective Services on any parent who refuses to go along with the lie that their boy is a girl. The move came in response to Virginia Governor Glenn Youngkin's latest policy initiatives, which empowered parents to exercise control over whether and how children transition gender in school, which, of course, used to be called the status quo. The status quo used to be called your boy is a boy and your girl is a girl. Glenn Youngkin took the moderate position that if your boy seeks to be treated as a girl in school, at least you got to tell the parents. And this is too much for the Democrats. They say that that should now be considered child abuse. Again, if, if you think the Democrats aren't moving in this direction, I, I question as to why you would think that. And well, what makes you think that Joe Biden, if freed of all of the burdens of governance, if freed of public opinion, would not do that? He has said that healthcare requires that we trans the children. Healthcare requires hormones for nine-year-olds who say they're a member of the opposite sex. Gender-affirming healthcare requires that we carve fake vaginas into boys at the age of 16, 17, 18 years old. This stuff is very important. So why wouldn't it be considered child abuse if a parent refuses to go along with it? Again, the end point of the slippery slope is there specifically because the principle being established by the Democratic Party encompasses all of that. If you truly believe that it is child abuse to refuse to go along with the delusions of your child with regard to their own gender or sex, delusions promoted by a socially contagious media apparatus that virtues, that creates virtue in not believing that you are a member of your, your genetic sex. If that's your principle, why wouldn't that? extend to the notion that a parent is, is abusing their child for not going along with all of that. I mean, well, we're already on the verge of that in California, right? California, as we mentioned yesterday, has become the first sanctuary state for transgender youth seeking medical care. So if you and your, and your spouse disagree on whether your boy is a boy or your boy is a girl, and you grab your kid and you go to California and you start transing the kid, California now says that you are immune from prosecution. They'll do nothing about that. It's questionable as to whether even if a minor decamped from their home in, say, Oklahoma to California and started receiving transgender care without the permission of their parents. That, that would be any sort of problem in the state of California. The, the bottom of the slippery slope is, is there and it is visible and it is in sight. It is not a mirage in the distance. It is the, it is the vision of, of the bottom of the cliff as you are falling. And what Democrats keep telling you is that the 99, you jumped off a 100-story building, 95 stories down, everything's okay so far, you haven't hit the ground. But the ground's coming closer and we are going to hit it. And so if you wish to defeat the possibility of us hitting the bottom of that slippery slope, you actually have to put roadblocks in the way near the top of the slippery slope. And Democrats are being very clear about what it is they want here. It's not as though they are, they are really hiding the ball. I mean, they lie and they say, well, we don't want, we're not seeking, we're not seeking to, to create a social contagion. We're not seeking to take your kids away from you. We're not saying that you can't raise your kids. That's exactly what they're saying. It's just a question of how long it takes for them to get to the logical endpoint of what it is they're already advocating. This, of course, will involve overthrowing religious freedom. The House Democrats have already pushed the so-called Equality Act, which is an attempt to essentially destroy religious freedom in the United States. The basic idea is that federally, there would now be a prohibition on quote-unquote discrimination on the basis of both sexual orientation and gender identity across multiple sectors of American life, including employment, housing, public education, and financing, as well as credit markets and jury service. There, there would be no carve-out for religious freedom in this bill whatsoever. 
And they're saying the quiet part out loud. The slippery slope is not a fallacy. It is quite real. And this holds on literally every issue. It holds with regard to abortion. If Democrats had their druthers, they would not be taking a moderate position on abortion. They would be legalizing abortion to birth. And, and we don't have to speculate about this. This is literally what they did in New York State. If Democrats had their druthers, they would have no legal limits on abortion. Katie Hobbs, who's a candidate for governor in Arizona, she said this out loud on CBS's Face the Nation. What would the Hobbs administration's weak limit be for abortion access? If it's not 15 weeks, what is it? Look, abortion is a very personal decision that belongs between a woman and her doctor. The government and politicians don't belong in that decision. We need to let doctors perform the care that they are trained and take an oath to to perform. So if an Arizona voter were to conclude from your previous answer that you do not favor any specific weak limit on abortion, would they be correct? I support leaving the decision between a woman and her doctor and leaving politicians entirely out of it. There are no limits, no limits. And by the way, the corollary of this will be the doctors will be forced to perform abortions in democratic states because after all, religious freedom would be you encroaching on somebody else's quote unquote right to choose. It's true on, on issues of crime, for example. If Democrats had their druthers, as they do in many places like San Francisco, crime would essentially be allowed to flourish. And John Fetterman is running for Senate right now. John Fetterman 11 different times called for releasing one third of the inmates, literally one third of inmates in Pennsylvania. Hey, here is John Fetterman talking about that. Dr. Oz is spreading lies on TV about John Fetterman. It's proven false. We could release a third of our inmates and not make anyone less safe. He said something remarkable that I agree with. He said we could reduce our prison population by a third and not make anyone less safe. You could release a third of our inmates and not make anyone less safe. If we could reduce our prison population, we could return these individuals back to their families, back to their communities, and, and everyone is safer or better off. We don't want to defund the police. We don't want to release criminals. We kind of want to defund the police and, and release criminals. This is what you're saying in San Francisco, where the... CEO of a company called Cotopaxi, which is a which is a gear company. They are abandoning San Francisco, saying that they have no ability to run a shop over there. Quote, our team is terrified. They feel unsafe. Security guards don't help because these theft rings know security guards won't and can't stop them. It's impossible for a retail, retail store to operate in these circumstances, especially when cities refuse to take any action. The city recently announced a reduction of police presence in the neighborhood despite mass scale crime. So is it a slippery slope? Or is it just kind of what you guys want and you want to obscure that fact? Keep saying slippery slope fallacy as you continue to toboggan down the slippery slope. This is true on environmental issues as well. Now, California has already made clear that they want to ban all sale of gas-powered cars by 2035. Meanwhile, they're not increasing the amount of power available to their grid. So they're going to prevent you from being able to drive the car that you want. And they're going to do so on the basis of a technology that's not ready and on the basis of a grid that requires fossil fuels to run in the first place. So herein lies the problem for Democrats. Their base is more and more and more radical these days. It is college-educated white women. It is members of the media. It is the blue checks on Twitter. And they try to agglomerate all of that with low-income voters. This is the Democratic coalition. Well, that Democratic coalition is not in line with what most Americans want. And the utopia that Democrats seek is also not in line with what most Americans want. 
And so over and over and over again, they'll say that people are exaggerating. This isn't really what they want. This is not really what they are seeking. Well, if this isn't really what you're seeking, then why is it that you say all of this stuff five years ago and then it materializes? Why is it that every prediction made about where you guys would be five years from now has come true? Go back in history and look at what Republicans were saying Democrats would be doing circa 1995. And we are so much further than Republicans even thought Democrats were going to be than anyone could have imagined. And here's, here's the real problem with that, with that slippery slope. And in the slippery slope graph, it shows, again, a, a very shallow sort of curve, and then boom, you drop off a cliff. The problem is there is no end to the bottom of the cliff. There's no end point. As soon as you think we've reached the end points, you say they can't go any further, they then proceed to go further. And this is why Democrats are in a world of hurt right now. All they had to do was not be crazy, but they also had to convince Americans they were not going to be crazy. Instead, they decided to both be crazy and also to pursue incredibly crazy rhetoric that is going to lead Americans not to believe them when they then claim moderation in a general election. We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, let me tell you about something unbelievably important you can do for yourself and your family. Preserve those family memories today. So my parents, out in their garage, they had a bunch of old film reels. They do not have a film projector. They had a bunch of old pictures. All those pictures were kind of falling apart. I wanted to get all that stuff digitized and preserved forever. So I called up my friends over at Legacy Box. They do an amazing job. Legacy Box makes reclaiming and preserving your most cherished memories incredibly easy. You send in your old VHS and camcorder tapes, film, and photo. Their team sends back everything on a thumb drive, DVD, or the cloud, digitally preserving those memories for the rest of time. Each kit includes everything you need to safely pack and send your records. Those irreplaceable moments can be easily viewed, shared, and passed on for future generations. Do not let your photos fade. Don't let your tapes get chewed up by the VCR. Safeguard your family's memory with Legacy Box today. All that old stuff, it has an expiration date. Do not let it just fall apart. Instead, safeguard it forever with Legacy Box. Visit LegacyBox.com slash Shapiro to shop my exclusive offer today. That's LegacyBox.com slash Shapiro. LegacyBox.com slash Shapiro. I've done it for my own family. I've done it for my parents. It is an amazing thing to do for anybody. LegacyBox.com slash Shapiro. Also, I have some bad news. You're going to die. I know it's a little bit harsh to just drop it on you that way, but that just really means you need to prepare for that possibility or that inevitability by getting life insurance for your family. That is the responsible thing to do. Policy Genius was built to modernize the life insurance industry. Their technology makes it easy to compare life insurance quotes from top companies in just a few clicks to find your lowest price. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just 17 bucks per month for 500 grand in coverage. And Policy Genius has licensed agents who can help you find options that offer coverage in as little as a week and avoid those unnecessary medical exams. They're not incentivized to recommend one insurer over another, so you can trust their guidance. There are no added fees. Your personal information is private. No wonder they have thousands of five-star reviews on Google and Trustpilot. Your loved ones deserve a financial safety net. You deserve a smarter way to find and buy it. Head on over to policygenius.com slash Shapiro or click the link in the description to get your free life insurance quotes to see how much you could save today. Again, the responsible thing to do is have life insurance for your family. God forbid you're walking along the street and an Acme anvil drops from a third story window and crushes you. You need to make sure your family is taken care of. Head on over to policygenius.com slash Shapiro and get it taken care of today. Well, the wages of, of all of this are becoming clear in the latest generic congressional ballot. The Real Clear Politics polling average currently has Republicans up 2.8 points. That is the biggest Republican lead since late June. Now there are more polls. Those polls are showing that gap continuing to increase. The latest polls actually have that gap up to 3.3 points. It looks like the hard break of a red wave, according to Dan McLaughlin, who does poll analysis over at National Review. Monmouth has Republicans up on the generic ballot. R plus six. Economist YouGov has R plus one. But again, this doesn't take into account the sort of red shift because one of the big problems here is that polls historically have undersampled Republicans. So if it says R plus six in that Monmouth poll, it could easily be R plus eight. That economist YouGov poll that has Republicans up just one, 
that could easily be an R plus three. And so there's a reason why 538 is now suggesting that the Democratic chances of taking the Senate are dropping like a stone. Just a few days ago, those chances were in the 70s. Today, it's a 59% chance. By the end of next week, I would guarantee that it's in the low 50s. Democrats are falling apart, again, because of their radical attempts. Now, what this means for Republicans is when you take office, guys, do the popular stuff. Stop the Democrats from doing what they're doing and then pursue popular policies that throw roadblocks in the way of the Democrats' radical agenda. Don't go with your most radical members of Congress. Don't do that. Because then Democrats will use the slippery slope fallacy in reverse, right? They'll say, well, what Republicans actually want is they, they want to just dismantle the entire welfare state and they want to throw everybody on social security, off of their social security, all the rest of this kind of stuff. Republicans have, thus far, you can't find a single Republican in office who's advocated for any of that stuff, but Democrats will do that. So put your best foot forward when you actually get into governing position. With that said, Democrats are in serious trouble right now. John Fetterman is now, according to the latest poll, in a dead heat with Dr. Oz. And not to pat myself on the back, but I said probably six weeks ago that that race was going to get a lot closer and I thought that Oz might take that race. Well, yesterday, Joe Biden arrived in Pennsylvania for what has to be one of the most awkward campaign stops in recent memory. So John Fetterman, who had a stroke and cannot process auditory information correctly, was meeting with Joe Biden, who cannot speak out of his face hole. So that was weird. It was also weird to see John Fetterman. He showed up in a suit and uh, he, he kind of looks like Mr. Turtley Turtle from uh, that Dana Carvey movie. Like his head does not fit his body. It's, it's less clear when he wears the Carhartt sweatshirts and the oversized baggy shorts. But when he's wearing a suit, uh, he kind of looks like a thumb sticking out of his suit a little bit. Uh, and that's 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 awkward. So uh, that John, John Fetterman did did wear a suit. He's capable of wearing a suit. Uh, and then Joe Biden made things even more awkward. So during his speech, he told John Fetterman's wife that she would be excellent in the Senate, which saying the quiet part out loud there, dude, John Fetterman's wife has suddenly become a campaign issue because she keeps going out there and saying that members of the press should apologize to John Fetterman for noticing that he is no longer with it and all the rest of this. So John Fetterman, his wife, Joe Biden said, your wife will be amazing in the Senate. I mean, just like Joe Biden is an amazing president, actually. So uh, here is Joe Biden. And, and, and John, thank you. Uh very much for uh, for running. I really do appreciate it. And Zell, you're gonna you're gonna be a great uh, a great lady in the Senate. Mm. You're gonna be a great lady in the Senate. I'm so glad, John, that, that you're running and uh, your wife will make an excellent senator. Whew. Good job there, Joe. Also, we got the usual Joe Biden inability to speak the the English language. So he uh, he tried to explain that he had made a once in a lifetime investment in America, and uh, he doesn't know how numbers work. It's infrastructure decade, a headline on my watch. With the help of your members of Congress here today, I signed into law a once-in-a-generation investment in roads, highways, bridges, railroads, ports, airports, and so much more. Over a billion two hundred, a trillion two hundred billion dollars. Over a billion two hundred billion billion trillion McFillion. Joe Biden. Then he got lost again. So there, how many videos are there of Joe Biden just getting lost in the woods? Here, here is Joe Biden getting lost in the woods. It's like a horror movie. So he stops at the microphone. Uh, I love when they bring in the music and he just gets confused. He's like, where am I going? I don't, I don't know. Oh, where? Oh, this way, that way, this way, that way. Turn it all around, hokey pokey. Oh, I'm going to hustle off the stage. Try not to fall down those stairs. Yep. Joe Biden. 
He's definitely with it. Meanwhile, John Fetterman's wife will make an excellent senator says we're not doing interviews, which is always the, the best sign of a great candidate is when your wife is jumping in going, he's not answering questions. So there is John Fetterman looking very much like Uncle Fester, accompanied by his wife, who says that he will not be answering questions. Mr. Uh, Fetterman, no. are, are you satisfied with the progress of the bridge? He's not going to be answering questions. He's just going to stand here. It's going to be great, guys. Well, that visit went so well that people are wondering why Joe Biden isn't going to other Senate races. The answer is no one wants him there. Nobody wants Joe Biden anywhere near a Senate race. But the White House has to deny this. They have to pretend that Joe Biden is wildly popular despite his 40% approval rating. Uh, Karine Jean-Pierre, the world's worst press secretary, she says that uh, Joe Biden still plans to visit the battleground states, which left Mark Kelly screaming into his pillow last night. Is the president going to go to Georgia or Nevada um, in the next, like, 19 days? I don't have any, I don't have any uh, travel to preview for you at this time. As you know, we're going, we're going to be in Pittsburgh and Philly today, and the president's truly excited Very about that. Today. Oh, well, no, no, no travel to preview. This. Well, he'll, back, he'll be back in Rehoboth Beach getting into that crypt. Because nobody actually wants him in these, in these Senate races. Joe Biden was asked directly about this and he got irritable, which always happens when he's not eating ice cream. Here, here he was explaining that, that it's not true Democrats don't want him to campaign. John Fetterman's going to appear with you today yeah. in Pennsylvania, but there haven't been that many candidates campaigning with you. Why That's are more? That's not true. There's been 15. Count, get count. Okay, and uh, are there going to be even more? Yeah. Yes. Learn to count, man. They're all campaigning with me in my imagination. I mean, Mark Kelly was literally asked on national TV if he wanted Joe Biden to come, and he's like, no. <laughs> Tim Ryan was asked in Ohio, do you want Joe Biden to show up? Tim Ryan's like, mm-hmm. <laughs> nobody wants this guy anywhere near them. There's a reason for that. CBS interviewed some Arizonans about the upcoming election between Mark Kelly and Blake Masters. Blake Masters was trailing pretty significantly in the latest polls. Blake Masters has been making up some significant ground. It is possible that Blake Masters pulls out that race now, right? Even a week ago, I was suggesting that Blake Masters was a real underdog in that race. Now Blake Masters is looking a lot better, partially because Carrie Lake is running a very strong top of the ticket race. She's very Trumpy. She also happens to be tremendous on television. In any case, here are some Arizona voters talking about why they don't like Mark Kelly. And the answer is Joe Biden. Joe Biden's the worst president ever, man. Why? Uh, first of all, look at gas, the economy, the border. We got fentanyl. He doesn't care about it. He doesn't care about Americans. Trump could run again. All he has to do is say, are, are you better off now than you were four years ago when I was in office? And the answer would be a resounding no. Hello, Phoenix. Okay, so uh, great job there by Joe Biden. No wonder people are running away from him. So what is the fallout going to be here? The fallout is going to be Everybody is holding back on Joe Biden right now. They're holding back. But the passion of the Democratic Party base and the blue checks is not with Joe Biden. The passion of the Democratic Party base and the blue checks is with a more radical figure than Joe Biden. Now, they've been using Joe Biden as a sort of empty vessel in order to achieve victory over Donald Trump. The problem is, if Joe Biden completely shatters on impact, as it appears he's going to, he's, he's now, I've fallen and I can't get up. And if that happens in the midterms, the knives are going to come out for him so unbelievably quickly. Jim Clyburn, I think, uh, who really sponsored his run, right? James Clyburn in South Carolina. He was the guy who really put him over to the top in the primaries against Bernie Sanders. He had a, a, an interview last night on MSNBC. And uh, first, he tried to kind of walk his way through the idea that Democrats might still win the election. And then uh, afterward, he, he sort of gave up the ghost. And I don't know if anybody who will say I would rather pay $10 or t- even uh, uh, $0.10 cents or even... 20 cents less per gallon and allow you to take my rights away, my voting rights away, and these other things that we know 
the other party is doing to suppress votes. That's a fool's well, choice that we will not make. But why ask people to make that choice? And Okay, so that's Jim Clyburn trying to explain. They're going to win the midterms because people care more about abortion than $10 gas. Uh, no, no, that's, that's not true. And then James Clyburn is asked the real question. And the question is, would he support Joe Biden in 2024? And he's like, maybe, possibly, maybe. Joe Biden has given us a great recovery. The largest uh, infrastructure the, since Eisenhower, the largest progressive program uh, since Lyndon Johnson's Great Society, this is nothing to sneeze at. And the American people recognize that. And I resent people so who if- feel uh, that we would much rather not have jobs and education so long as we can pay uh, 10 cents less for a gallon of gasoline. So, Congressman, if he runs again, will you again support him? I suspect I will. I don't see why I would not. I don't see why. Maybe, maybe I'm probably, maybe, no. <laughs> yeah, no, the, the long knives are going to come out for, for Joe Biden if, in fact, his team goes down to flaming defeat. And counterintuitively, what's going to end up happening is they're not going to moderate their positions. They're going to elect somebody for the nomination who is significantly more progressive than Joe Biden. Because again, Democrats can't help themselves. They keep fibbing about whether we end up at the bottom of that slippery slope. But increasingly, they're just taking Crisco and slathering it all over the slippery slope. We're going to end up there sooner rather than later if Democrats are, in fact, elected. We'll get to more in just one second. First, in an economy as volatile as this one, it's important to have control when you're making a big purchase like a new car. This is why I like CarZing. CarZing is awesome. It's completely changing the way you buy a car online. They work with over 25,000 dealers nationwide to help you find your dream car. By partnering with credit agencies, lenders, and dealerships, CarZing provides you with everything you need before setting foot into a dealership. Their financial tools make auto financing quick and easy. You can instantly pre-qualify online without affecting your credit score. That is super important. Plus, you can search for vehicles with instant financing details, including what your down payment would be, your monthly payment term and APR, putting you several steps ahead of other buyers. Once you find the right car at your ideal budget, all you have to do is bring your saved deal voucher with you to the dealership to finalize your next ride. It's incredibly simple. Not really in the market for a new car? Check out Carsing anyway. It's so easy to mess around and see what it would actually cost to get your dream car. Who knows? Maybe that dream is a lot more attainable than you thought. Visit carsing.com slash Ben today. Skip the guesswork. Find the best deals near you. It is the best way to shop for cars ever. That's carsing.com slash Ben. Again, carsing.com slash Ben. And find out if you can get your dream car today. Also, well, folks, I've got some big news. For the very first time, we are making the iconic Daily Wire Leftist Tears Tumblr available to everyone. There's so many leftist tears falling these days. You got Matt Walsh's What Is Woman College Tour. That's on the road. You got Candace Owens saying true things about the George Floyd trowel. You can collect your leftist tears yourself. This magnificent vessel is just $30. Do not miss out. Get your leftist tears tumbler right now at dailywire.com slash tumbler. Also, this weekend, brand new episode of the Sunday special. It features a very special guest, President of Brazil, Yair Bolsonaro. Bolsonaro is in a very fraught election right now with Lula, a corrupt former leader of Brazil who was actually in jail and then he was freed from jail so that he could run against Bolsonaro. Bolsonaro was widely expected to lose in the first round of the election. Instead, he ran a very tight race. It looks as though he is running very even right now. You'll learn a lot about him. Check out the trailer. The less the population is able to actually understand what's actually going on, the easier it'll be for the party to capture them. They are also for liberalizing abortion and also the so-called gender ideology. And, you know, even children, not not very few, but, you know, children age seven, eight, nine, 
you know, children seem not to know whether they're girls or boys and vice versa. You know, boys don't know whether they're boys or anymore. So this is really terrible. You can watch the episode on Daily Wire Plus or listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. Go check out the Sunday special. Again, we've been having some pretty amazing guests on the Sunday special of late. A lot of world leaders that's been happening recently. And meanwhile, over here in the United States, our bureaucracy continues apace with its insanity. So yesterday, the CDC Advisory Committee on Immunization Practices voted unanimously to recommend that COVID vaccines be part of the immunization panel for small, small children. According to CBS News, the move, part of a series of proposed changes to documents which are revised early every year, would amount to little more than summarizing recommendations already decided by the agency's advisors. The CDC said it's important to note there are no changes in COVID-19 vaccine policy. Today's action simply helps streamline clinical guidance for healthcare providers by including all currently licensed, authorized, and routinely recommended vaccines in one document. The CDC also suggested that they are not mandating COVID-19 vaccinations. Dr. Nirav Shah, Maine's top health official, member of the CDC Advisory Committee, they said, indeed, there are vaccines that are on the schedule right now that are not required for school attendance in many jurisdictions like seasonal flu, local control matters, and we honor that. But the question is, what is your evidence that we should be recommending this at all to small children? And the death rates for very young people from COVID-19 are minuscule, verging on the non-existent. We are talking single digits in terms of healthy babies, for example, who are dying of COVID. And we're talking about a nation of 330 million people. The, the health effects on small children are not well-known. The health effects on teenagers are not well-known, which is why you've seen a bunch of countries in Europe basically say they do not want to use COVID backs on 13, 14-year-olds because of the risk of myocarditis. Shah and other members of the panel acknowledged the slew of online comments they'd received ahead of the meeting over the topic, some pleading with them not to require COVID vaxes in schools. After Thursday's vote, the agency seeks sign-off from a range of professional groups, including the American Academy of Family Physicians and the American Pharmacists Association. The new schedules for kids, adolescents, and adults will then be published in February 2023. Here's what it sounded like in the 15-0 vote. Again, no dissenters, none. Sounds like science to me, gang. Yes, um, 15 unanimously in favor. Okay, again, the, the 15 to nothing. 15 to nothing. Now, the... Fact is that we do not have any sort of long-term studies on the effects of these vaccines on small children. And you're talking, when, when you talk about me, you're talking about somebody who's a very strong advocate of vaccinations for the vulnerable and elderly. My kids are not vaxxed, nor would I get them vaxxed for COVID. They're not in serious danger from COVID on any statistical level. And the alarmism of the media led the CDC to do this. That's what this is all about. It's, a, it's a, an echo chamber between the media and members of the bureaucracy. The media goes alarmist about kids. The bureaucracy responds. Their excuse for responding is the, is the hysteria. And so you saw people all over the TV for years talking about how kids could not go back to school because they might infect each other with COVID, when the reality is that kids were not dying of COVID in anything like serious numbers. Every death can be a tragedy, and also on a statistical level, the risk of death for children was significantly lower for COVID than it was of pneumonia. Nonetheless, this is now being pushed. When the CDC says, by the way, that we are not actually mandating this thing, understand that their CDC guidance is used by local cowards in order to offload responsibility for making these decisions. You see this all the time with schools. Schools during the pandemic would consistently say things like, yeah, we know that there's no real information on masking for kids. We know kids don't wear the masks properly. We know that kids aren't going to be able to wear an N95 that's strapped to their face the way you would in a hospital if you're in a high-risk situation. But 
But the CDC says it's good. We're going to listen to the CDC. There's just a way for them to avoid all culpability and responsibility. The same thing is going to happen here. You're going to see a lot of school districts that say, we're going to mirror the CDC just because it's the CDC. I'm no expert, but the CDC are the experts. Well, it would be nice if the CDC actually posted their data. But I'm unaware of, of the CDC's data that justifies the necessity for this sort of vaccination campaign. Marty McCary, who authored a post on Substack, pointed out that there really is very little evidence with regard to any of this. Yeah, again, the, the idea here that the, the vaccines are necessary for children in the first place is pretty insane. And, and yet they're doing it anyway. They're, they're going to do it anyway. So again, trust the science, follow the science, except when the science doesn't exist, in which case follow the, the quote unquote experts. That's the thing that we definitely should be doing. And meanwhile, things are going amazingly well over in New York City. So the crime wave in New York City continues apace. Yesterday, police began a search for a man who struck a stranger on a sword with, with a sword sheath on a New York subway train. And not, not just a sword, a sword sheath. So apparently, one of the outcasts from Highlander arrived on the subway station on the platform in New York City and just grabbed a sheath and smacked somebody with it. According to ABC7 New York, multiple reports came in about a man with a knife, sword, or machete who attacked a, str a stranger on a northbound A train at the Chambers Street station, according to police. A witness who saw the scene unfold said the suspect shoved his way past a woman onto the train and then stood between the train cars before crashing through the other car door. Out of nowhere, he just sort of like forcefully opened the two doors to the other train car behind us, said Rebecca Strasberg, and just whipped out what looked like a sword, something gigantic. The rest was a bit hard to see. You could see everybody from the other train cars was moving as far as they could. Apparently, there was some sort of combat that took place in the car next door. The only word I could think of was cliche, Strasburg said. It was like a cliche and almost cinematic the way he whipped it out. I felt like I was in a fever dream. One man was hit on the head with a sword cover and sustained a slash on the forehead. He was treated for life, non-life-threatening injuries. The suspect was described as wearing all black with a black hat with a Marvel logo on it. So apparently, they're, they're now in filming. Live-action, real-life filming of the next Marvel film on the New York subway system. The good news is, that uh, Eric Adams is partying it up. So Chris Wallace asked Eric Adams, the mayor of New York City, you know, remember he, that time he was elected in order to supposedly lower the crime rate and then the crime rates didn't get lower, they actually got worse. Remember that time? He was super pro-police until the time he wasn't. So anyway, he was asked about why you're partying it up every night. And Eric Adams like, why shouldn't I party it up every night, man? I'm, in, I'm mayor of New York. You got a migrant emergency when the city is facing, like the rest of the country, an economic downturn, uh, when you've got a crime issue. Any thought of toning it down? Well, think about what you just said. You said we have an economic issue. My, my nightlife is a multi-billion dollar industry. People are afraid to go back out to restaurants. Now they see their mayor going out saying, come back out to our city. Oh, it's a, he, he's doing it for, for public purposes, you see. He's partying it up. He's enjoying the, the New York City nightlife to encourage New Yorkers to, to go back out there and enjoy their, you know what would actually encourage New Yorkers to go back out there and enjoy their lives? People not getting hit with sword sheaths on the subway or randomly pushed in front of the trains. Like one of the cops from Superman 1 by the Lex Luthor door. And excellent, excellent governance happening right there. By the way, there is a good piece by Mark Thiessen pointing out the obvious here. So you've heard Republicans talking about crime over the past few months in advance of the election and Democrats in the media responding by saying, well, you know, red states have higher murder rates than blue states. Well, I mean, that's true, but you know where all the murders happening in the blue areas of the red states. This is the point that Mark Thiessen makes. He says, 
In most of these red states, the high murder rates are driven by the lethal violence in their blue cities. Take Missouri. It voted for Trump. It's also home to two of the most dangerous U.S. cities, St. Louis and Kansas City, both of which are run by Democrats. Earlier this year, CBS News did an analysis of deadliest U.S. cities using the latest FBI and other crime data. In 2019, it found St. Louis had the highest murder rate in the nation with 64.54 murders per 100,000 residents. That's an extraordinary rate. Kansas City, meanwhile, had the eighth highest murder rate with almost 30 murders per 100,000. The same is true for Louisiana. It's a red state. But Baton Rouge has the sixth highest murder rate in the nation. New Orleans has the seventh highest murder rate in the nation. Same thing for Tennessee. Memphis ranks ninth in the country, also powering the state's murder rate. Chattanooga, which was led by Democrats and Democratic-run Nashville and Democratic-run Knoxville. In other words, it's all the blue areas that are making the red states have high murder rates. So just well done as always. But at least Eric Adams is able to, he's able to go out and party. And to me, that's that's really the priority that we should be focused in on like a laser beam. All righty, guys, the rest of the show is continuing right now. You're not going to want to miss it. We'll be getting into why Liz Truss just lost her job as prime minister of the UK. If you're not a member, click the link in the description and join us. 